Good morning, church. Good morning. What a blessing it is to have the opportunity to share with you this morning. We got a lot of our group that are headed to a marriage cruise, so we're excited about those uh, couples. You guys make sure to pray over those men and women who are headed on our Alaskan cruise hosted by Alan and Lisa. We got another group headed to the Dominican, so you make sure to pray over their safe travels and that God blesses their ministry. This morning, I want to talk to you about freedom from your past. Freedom from your past. I feel like I should be an expert by experience at this topic. So I invite you, if you would, to turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from the 13th verse, and I want to read that second part. So when you're talking freedom from your past, what I'm really meaning is letting go of the junk that you've done in your past that you're not proud of. And I have lived through some really nasty stuff in my past, but I don't know if you're like me. I'm one of these guys who kind of continues to accumulate stuff that you have to let go of. So let me give you one funny story. Last night, we were blessed. We participated in the Forever Family Look Look Who's Coming to Dinner get-together. Did you participate in that? If you participated, raise your hand. Give a hand clap of applause to those those families who participate. That was a lot of fun. So we had an awesome family over that we loved that we had never met before. And these guys told me their names. And I am really chronically bad with names. You'd think as a preacher, I'd just hear a name and the Holy Spirit just sears it into my mind. But that's not ever been how it works for me. And so the whole night, I'm calling this very kind, very humble gentleman by the name of Darren. Now, something I do when a person tells me their name is I try to use it repeatedly in conversation so that it does stick. The Holy Spirit hasn't yet done that for me, but I try to do that for myself. So probably 50 times over the course of about three hours, I call this gentleman by the name of Darren. And at the end of the night, I'm like, guys, it has been so fun. My kids have loved having y'all's kids over. Darren, thanks a bunch for coming. And he said, Trent, we were so glad to be here. By the way, it's Kevin. <laughs> That's just one of those moments where I felt like, Lord, you're just going to have to help me put this in my past and just let it go in the name of Jesus. So I said, Kevin, you are just the kindest gentleman on the planet. Man, I was beating you up with the wrong name all night. You never said a word. That was so much fun. I hope you guys will participate in some of those forever family activities. God consistently uses experiences like that in my life to keep me humble. Okay, so today I want to talk about that. How how can we experience freedom from our past? And how can we let it go? So there are kind of two categories of life experience that I'm talking about when I'm talking about being free from your past, okay? One one category of those experiences are times in your life that you have been hurt and you need to surrender that pain over to God. Now, this is a little bit different sermon geared toward a different category, and I already kind of briefly mentioned it. There are experiences that you've had in life that are a result of your misbehavior or your sin that you're continually beating yourself up about, and those things you need to surrender 
over to God. So in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul in the tail end of that verse says something that we're going to focus on today. And there's a word there that I want you to highlight and underline. I'm going to read it for you here. The Bible says this, one thing I do. So before I move forward, I want to introduce the speaker that's writing this section of scripture And it is the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. And if you read Philippians chapter 3, starting from verse 1 to where we're at right now, he's going to tell you an abridged version of his life story. And this was a guy who, in the world that he lived, had gained notoriety and fame and fortune for being one of the best educated, most religious, most committed individuals on the planet to his school of thought, his belief system, his education, and his upbringing. But because of how he was raised, because of what he studied in school, and because of what his belief system was, he persecuted Christians even to the point of putting them in prison or death. And so what he says in Philippians chapter 3 before this verse is that I've gained everything the world has to offer. I've been completely respected. I've been to all the best parties. I've been in all the best schools. I've met with all the right people. And I've also done the exact opposite. I've killed. I've put in prison. I've persecuted. I've done it all. And everything I've been through compares in no way, shape, or form to the beauty and majesty and glory of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. But because of everything Paul had lived through, this was a guy who had a lot of baggage. He had a lot of baggage. Being as well-educated and as well-connected as he would have been, no doubt he had a lot of pride. And being as sinful and persecutory and judgmental as he was, he no doubt had a lot of guilt and shame. The Apostle Paul is somebody we can all relate to no matter where we fall on that continuum of behavior. Whether we're perfect, doing it ourselves, well-educated, wealthy, and really well-connected, or whether we're really messed up, we've made a lot of mistakes and hurt a lot of people, or somewhere in between, he kind of covers it all. And he's saying in all that, there's one thing I do to really try to make it through in this life. There's one thing I do to move from just surviving to thriving. There's one thing that's really important to me that he wants to share with this little church at Philippi that he wants them to remember almost above all else. And that next word is the word I want you to underline and circle in your Bible or if you've got a tablet or a phone, highlight it. He forgets. He forgets all the stuff that's behind him. And he strains instead towards what's ahead. He forgets what's behind him and he strains instead towards what's ahead. So the first thing I want you to remember if you're really going to experience freedom from your past, something that I felt God communicate to me clearly after I was first baptized into Christ, the first thing you got to do is forget what God has forgiven. Church family, you have to be willing to forget what God has forgiven. So many men and women who are struggling with being free from their past, from the junk that they've done or the pride that they felt or anything in between, 
So many of those men and women are trying to do the getting past their past thing on their own strength. And the one most important ingredient we have to have in our life if we're really going to move past our past, if we're really going to be free from our past, is to be forgiven by the God who created us. So my first challenge to you, if there is something in your life that you keep bringing up over and over and over and over again, then you need to go to the Lord and ask for His forgiveness. I had the opportunity to chat with Mike about the sermon he preached last week. I'm like, Mike, you're right. There is a prayer that God always answers. I agree. It's a prayer for wisdom. But I think there's another prayer that God always answers when His people pray this prayer. He said, what's that? And I said, it's the prayer of forgiveness. When we ask God to forgive the sins we have committed... He is faithful and just, and He will always forgive our sin. That's what I love about the story of the Apostle Paul. There's not anyone under the sound of my voice that's committed the kind of wrongs that this man's committed, and he's still saying, I've found a way to forget the junk that's in my past and push forward towards what is ahead because I've met the Savior who has forgiven me for and redeemed me from that nasty past that I lived through. Praise the Lord. Forgiveness is the necessary ingredient in forgetfulness. So men, the next time you're at the store and you forget to get all the items on your wife's list that she gave you when you went to the store, you can say, baby, look, I'm forgiven. And, and so I'm forgetful. Okay? You can say that to your wife, honey. Uh, I'm forgiven, and, and so I'm forgetful. Right? I don't know that it works the same if you forget a birthday or anniversary. Right? I'm not sure that that exactly translates, but I do think for stuff like grocery lists, it works. All right, so the necessary ingredient is forgiveness if we're going to be forgetful. But listen to this, church. So often we want to add to this formula uh, in hopes that it'll work better. So we're like, okay, God, I, I know that I need you to forgive me, but I'm going to really try to never, ever miss a church service. And if I never miss a church service, then I'll really feel forgiven by you. Or God, I know I've asked you to forgive me, but I'm going to try to memorize as much scripture as I possibly can memorize. And if I can memorize one whole book of the Bible, that might make me feel like I can really be worthy of your forgiveness. Or I'm going to worship a certain way, or I'm going to attend church at a certain time, or I'm going to host a group at my house during the week, or I'm going to participate in this certain ministry. Guys, listen, all of that stuff is good, and all of that stuff is from the Lord. None of that stuff is worth anything in terms of God's forgiveness of you. Let me tell you a story. Kirsten and her mom, my beautiful bride and her mom, when she was in middle school, went to stay at a um, old-timey hotel where you had like candles instead of electricity and you had to make your own food from scratch and it was like this experience you got at how life used to be. And so the hotel that you checked into gave you this bin of like all the articles and items you would need to kind of live an old-timey, old-fashioned way for the next 24 hours. And and one of the activities was to bake a loaf of bread in an old-fashioned way. And so Kirsten's mom's showing Kirsten how to bake this bread in the old-fashioned way. And she puts all the ingredients in, and there's a bottle in this basket that they're not quite sure what it is. But it looked like cooking oil. 
that the recipe to bake this bread called for. So they put the cooking oil just a little bit in the bread and they knead it and they let it rise and they put it in the oven. And the next morning they're so excited about this delicious, warm, moist bread coming out of the oven. Did anybody else just sin through covetousness right there thinking about home cooked bread? And it comes out and they take a bite and it tastes like dish soap. It wasn't, in fact, cooking oil in the small vial. It was soap. If you don't cook with the right ingredients, you don't end up with tasty bread. And if you cook with too many ingredients, you also don't end up with tasty bread. Okay? you got to add what's right and not more than is called for. And when we're talking forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, you have nothing you can bring to God that merits His forgiving you of your past. And when we understand the heaviness and weight and gravity of that truth, it humbles us and allows us to choose not to remember what God Himself has forgotten. So it's about you doing the hard work of taking your sinful stuff to the Lord, confessing your sin to Him, and allowing the Spirit to forgive you through the power of Jesus Christ And understanding that from that moment forward, any time you bring that sin up to God again, He says, Trent, I don't know what you're talking about. The second thing I want to point out this morning is not just that we must forget what God has forgiven, but that we also need to start living differently if we want to stop living in our past. We have to start living differently if we want to stop living in our past. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect myself to not beat me up for doing that sinful thing in my past when I'm currently doing that sinful thing in my present. It's my behavior itself that keeps bringing that to mind. If we go to the book of Romans in the second chapter, the Apostle Paul, I believe, has given us a little bit of his own testimony in terms of how he's moved forward. Listen to what he says. To those who buy, key word here, persistence. You and I, if we're going to live brand new in Jesus Christ, if we're going to allow him to forgive us of the sinful stuff we've done, and we're going to try to forget it and move forward towards what is ahead because we know the future is bright in Christ, then we have to decide to be persistent in living a transformed life. When you're baptized into Christ, ladies and gentlemen, the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and with you and for you and through you. You find power to start living differently. All the necessary components are there. You've asked God to forgive you of your sin. Now is where the rubber meets the road. Now is the time I really have to choose to be persistent in living this new life by the Spirit through faith, not of my own strength satisfying the lusts of my flesh. Paul says this, you by persistence must do good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, and God will grant you eternal life. There are three S's to really finding the strength to start living differently. Slow, steady, and small. Those are the three S's you need to apply to your life if you're really going to start living differently so you can stop 
living in the past. What happens with most of us is that moment I just described where we feel the weight and gravity of God forgiving us of our past, all of a sudden now I'm the most grandiose, big-thinking, fired-up Christian on the planet. I'm going to do a worldwide evangelism. I'm going to start businesses. The whole neighborhood's going to be saved. Absolutely, you should have those visions. But maybe the first thing you should do is get up early enough to make your bed the next morning. I was talking with a guy earlier this week who's a big-time sales consultant in the Midwest that does lots of coaching and consulting for real estate agencies. And we got connected through WFR's recovery community. He called me and said, Trent, what are some of the things you guys are doing with guys? And we got to talking. He said, you know what? It sounds like you're saying to people some of the same stuff I'm saying. He said, the one thing I usually recommend when people are really ready for a life change is that they start getting up and they start making their bed every single morning. He said just that one simple thing from people who need a life change, they automatically get a victory in in the morning. They wake up and one thing is better than they found it that day. And that one small, simple, tiny thing sets the whole course of their day in a different direction. Have the big, grandiose dreams. Lots of that is spirit-given. When we transform in Christ and we get clarity from the Holy Spirit, often God puts those kinds of dreams in the heart of His people. But, but I'm encouraging people daily, hey, start small. Go slow and be steady. So we, we decide, all right, I'm going to get up and make my bed. And for most of us, those New Year's resolutions we make on January 1st last about how long? How many four-weekers we got out there? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to call you all out. But every single one of you all have y'all's hands up at four weeks. We don't make it past four weeks most of the time. And so we start to feel defeated because we bite off way more than we actually should. The Apostle Paul says, look, it's by being persistent that transformation is possible. Start small and go slow. Be consistent and persistent at the small things. Just get up and make your bed. You don't have to read the Bible in one week to really experience transformation. Is that a great thing to do? Absolutely. You might be better suited making your bed, reading one verse, drinking a cup of coffee, and praying on your way to work really consistently for a few weeks first, guys. That kind of thing is just fine. Be small in your start. Be steady in your development. And be slow in how you're trying to change. It's by persistence in doing good and seeking honor and immortality that God will grant His people eternal life. If you want to stop living in your past, start living your life differently today. The last thing I want to mention in life is that God is always, you need to remember this church family, God is always, 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 always more interested in your future than he is in your past. God is always more interested in your future than he is in your past. Let me show you a testimony of mine really briefly. Uh, I'm crazy about my bride. She's out of my league. When she married me, some of you know the story. I was a used tire salesman in a bad part of Wichita, Kansas, uh, making minimum wage. And I'm thankful for the guy that gave me that job because that job was above my pay grade. Right? So I'm not talking bad about that business or the business owner. I'm just saying I, I didn't have a lot going for me. And Kirsten took a gamble on me. And when, and when we started our relationship, I thought I can't ever tell her 
everything that I've gone through, or she would never entertain a, an, another second of a thought of wanting to be with me. That's honestly what I thought. Guys, let me tell you something. I prayed my tail off. I begged God, please let this work. I, I pleaded with him. I did all those things I told you not to do. I committed to reading my Bible every day for a year. Finished the whole thing three times in one year. Never miss a church service on Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or a morning Bible study. I mean, I was going to go full bore. And God showed me that it was possible for her to be more interested in where I was headed than where I had been. God showed me that it was that it was possible for Kirsten to be more interested in where I was headed than where I was than where I had been and I felt God impress upon my spirit when he showed me that about my wife that that's how he felt about me. Trent, I'm not interested in where you've been as much as I'm interested in where you could go. And so Kirsten and I were talking just about a week or two ago, and she was asking me some questions about her past. And I had never shared that with her, and I said the same thing that I felt God communicate to me. I said, babe, listen, I'm not as interested in your past as I am in your future. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly how God feels towards each of you. God is never as interested in your past as he is in your future. No one would have known this better than the Apostle Paul. This guy was the most unqualified guy to evangelize the world for Christ that walked the planet at his day and age. He stood for everything Christianity was against. All those Pharisees and all those people in the New Testament that Jesus spent a lot of time rebuking, Paul was chief among those guys. He stood for every single thing Christianity was against, and he was the man chosen by God to evangelize the world for Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, God is always more interested in your future, somebody shout amen right there, than he is in your past. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul mentions this. He says this, if anyone is in Christ, somebody needs to hear this today. Maybe it's somebody listening online. Maybe it's someone in the audience. You need to hear this this morning. If anyone is in Christ, when you have put on Christ, when you've been immersed in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is, say that with me, a new creation. Say that with me again. New creation. Say it one more time. New creation. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a brand new creation in the eyes of God. Your past doesn't exist. All God's interested in is from that day forward. Your past is not as important to Him as your future. Where you have been is not as important to God as where you will go. And if you are brand new in Christ, then the old stuff then all the old junk, all the old sin, all the old pride, all the old arrogance, all of that stuff is gone. It's completely gone. It doesn't exist for God. Because something brand new has come. And what is this new thing? What is this new thing? It's ministry. 
This new thing that God is doing in your life is He's making you a ministry. And I want you to remember something. It is always your problems that God transforms into your purpose. Somebody needs to write that down. It is always your problems that God transforms into your purpose. If you struggle with drugs and alcohol, what's God going to use you for? To reconcile those men that struggle with drugs and alcohol back to God. If you had a terrible marriage and lived through multiple affairs and have been divorced two times, what's God going to use you for? To help men and women whose marriages are on the rocks that are struggling that have been divorced or are considering divorce or had an affair. If you're a single parent feeling like you failed miserably at parenting and you raised kids and they're still alive, guess what? You succeeded. And what's God going to call you to do? He's going to call you to minister to men and women who are single parents in that same situation that feel like they're a failure, that they don't measure up, that they don't have what it takes. I'm going to tell you something. None of us do, but in Jesus Christ, praise God, every single one of us does. If any man or woman, if any person on planet earth, I'm going to get excited up here if y'all aren't careful. All right. If any man be in Jesus Christ, this is my testimony, man. If anybody's in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. The old stuff is gone and the new has come and the new is your ministry. You are ordained for ministry when God transforms you in Jesus Christ. And it's a ministry of reconciliation. One of the reasons we struggle living free from our past is because we're not doing the ministry God's called us to do in our present. One of the reasons why we're struggling getting through our past is because we're not living the ministry God's called us to in our present. We're waiting until we feel qualified. That's what a lot of us are doing. A lot of us are waiting until we feel qualified. Man, I need another year, or I need another six months, or I need a different degree. You're qualified not because of your experience, your education, or your intellect, but because the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead has made you brand new. And if you're new, then you know what it takes to be made brand new, and you can reconcile other, other people to Jesus Christ the same way He reconciled you. You are qualified if you've been born again. You're qualified. You're qualified. You don't have to hesitate to answer your call in that case. Somebody under the sound of my voice is is beating themselves up in an auditorium this large. And I thank God for every single one of you here. In an auditorium this large with this many people and those of you listening online, somebody is beating themselves mercilessly with a past that for God just does not exist. So my call to you this morning are those three things. The first is to forget what God has forgiven. Come on, Beth. Forget what God has forgiven and to start living differently. Romans 2, 7, by persistence, doing good, seek glory and honor and immortality, and God will grant you eternal life. And to remember that God is never as interested in your past as he is in your future, and you shouldn't be either. Because you've been made brand new in Jesus Christ. If you're beating yourself up, practice those three things and get freedom from your past in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pause and I'm going to pray and and I'm going to pray specifically that God challenges you to step up and start your ministry of reconciliation. 
I'm going to pray that God challenges you to get out of your comfort zone and stop waiting to feel qualified to start getting involved. And if you're somebody who is beating yourself up with the baggage of your past, my challenge to you is to come forward and allow the body of Christ to surround you and pray over you and let God unburden you from that unnecessary bondage. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. What an awesome God you are who frees us from our past, forgets everything we've done, helps us live a brand new life, and gives us a future in fellowship with you. God, I challenge men and women under the sound of my voice who have yet to answer their call to start their ministry of reconciliation. God, move on those hearts powerfully. Let them respond and humbly throw themselves before you and surrender and say, God, here, here I am. Lord, there are men and women under the sound of my voice who are beating themselves up every single day with their past. It's a past that to you no longer exists if they're in Jesus Christ. God, I ask that if they're beating themselves up, they'd come forward, just lay that burden before you, and you take it from them. Lord, some men and women, under the sound of my voice, have never been born again. And God, I ask if there's one person in this place that needs to be reborn brand new, that they'd take those steps today so that they could get freedom from the past that won't exist anymore in your eyes after that moment. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me while we sing.